you're listening to episode 341 of the Gnu World Order. This is Klaatu, your friendly host. In this episode, we're back on track. We're uh, looking at the packages that come installed by default on Slackware. As I've said often before, but I'll say it now just in case you're new, you may not have all of the packages that I'm talking about on my computer, on your computer, if you don't run Slackware. But that doesn't mean that they're not interesting packages, and quite possibly they are on your computer, and quite possibly you could get them onto your computer, so if they sound interesting, you could probably find them in your repository. So this is a useful exercise for many reasons, and in the previous episode we talked about Alsa Utils. In this episode, we're continuing down the list of uh, the AP package set, which is just AP for applications probably named AP before really anyone had thought of coming up with a, an official designation of the shorthand of app, you know, APP. We think of an app now as a common thing, and I imagine AP predated that abbreviation. I could be wrong, I haven't researched that at all, it just kind of came to me right now, but I, I do kind of wonder. So anyway, the app package set has applications, not GUI applications, just applications that the user is expected to run themselves, whereas the A package set was just the absolute basics. It was just the stuff that that your computer needed in order to boot up and do sort of the basic computer things. And generally speaking, well, no, that's not true, but a lot of those were were utilitarian. They weren't really intended for just the the normal user doing normal user type things. Okay, so the first package that we are we, that I've got on my list here for today, right under Alsa Utils, is AMP, and AMP is a console music player. It's pretty straightforward to use AMP. You point it at a music file, an MP3 or an MPEG music file rather, and it plays it back. Now. I've never used it as a player, honestly. I use it uh, the the maybe two times I've used it. I've used it as a replacement for Socks. Now, Socks we're not there yet, but Socks is an audio converter. But in at least Slackware 14.2, Socks was compiled without MPEG3 support because of um, I guess what do you call it? Uh, patent problems. Now, I, I, if I understand everything correctly, the patents are over, everything's wonderful, MP3 is our friend, still don't use it, but, you know, you come across it, right? Um, and so, these days, I guess, maybe that won't be a problem. Maybe in the next Slackware, it will have, Socks will have MP3 compiled in, um, but AMP, somehow, I don't know how, gets away with just shipping mp3 stuff, um, and Slackware doesn't mind, I guess. I, I'm not really sure, you know, what the what the difference between AMP converting mp3 to WAVE and SOX converting mp3 to WAVE is. Uh, I don't think it was probably a legal decision. It was probably more some some kind of back-end thing that Patrick, the, the maintainer, uh, creator and maintainer of Slackware, had to deal with. So AMP just kind of converts stuff. So for instance, if I have a, a file called foo.mp3 on my hard drive, which I do because I set this up, then I can do amp foo.mp3 and then foo.wav wave. And it uh, doesn't do anything, so I have to do amp-c for convert. That is what I meant to do. Uh, and it converts the file. Simple as that. Um, yeah, that's AMP. That's really all I have to say about that. There are other applications on Slackware that play 
mp3 files and lots more so amp I've never actually used as a player uh, but in theory I guess that should work I obviously cannot test that right now due to the fact that I'm recording so I, I wouldn't want to try to play an audio file sort of in the background as I was recording this um, this audio uh, maybe next time okay so the next one up is ash and that is Kenneth Almquist's Ash Shell. I didn't know much about this. Um, I'll, I'll tell you what Emacs, uh, not Emacs, it's a text file that I have open in Emacs. I'll tell you what Slackware says has to say about it. This is the ash.txt, uh, the, the, the description file. It says, a lightweight, that's 92k, born compatible shell. Great for machines with low memory, but does not provide all the extras of shells like Bash, TCSH, and ZSH. Runs most shell scripts compatible with the Born shell. Note that under Linux, most scripts seem to use at least some Bash-specific syntax. Slackware setup scripts are a notable exception, since Ash is the shell used for the install disks. NetBSD uses Ash as its slash bin slash sh. So there you go. That's that's what Slackware has to say on the subject. That wasn't quite enough for me, so I went to Wikipedia and kind of did a little bit of quick Wikipedia research, uh, if going to a Wikipedia page can count as research. And it's actually got kind of an interesting story behind it. So Ash was released, apparently, in 1989 by Kenneth Almquist as a re-implementation of the System V shell with all of the features of that shell plus a couple of additions. It was a fast and small um, uh, shell with the POSIX standard specification of the Unix shell. Ash did not provide line editing uh, or command history mechanisms. And then derivative of, uh, versions of Ash, and this was what was kind of I found kind of interesting to me, um, are installed as the default that's been SH on FreeBSD, NetBSD, DragonflyBSD, Minix, and in some Linux distributions, and up until 4.0, Android apparently shipped with it. And uh, later, in 1997, Herbert Zhu uh, ported Ash from NetBSD to Debian as Dash. That's Debian Almquist shell. I didn't know that. I didn't know all of that was wrapped up around um, Ash, specifically. I, I kind of, I don't know what I thought it was, to be honest. I think I kind of thought it was all just Dash. I didn't. I don't think I understood that Dash itself was uh, the continuation of something older. So the, yeah, that was kind of interesting to me. And um, yeah, so Ash. I mean, you know, I mean, if you do an echo dollar sign shell in your shell, you'll probably get back that it's a slash bin slash bash. If you're on Slackware, it might be slash user slash bin slash bash on some other distributions. It's easy enough to temporarily change shells. You can just type in ash. And then if you do the same thing, echo, dollar sign, all capital shell, you get slash bin slash bash. Yeah, so echo shell um, doesn't actually tell you the running process. It tells you the default shell on your system. And I think a lot of us very lazily deep, uh, sort of go back to echo dollar sign shell to find out what we're running and it's 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 great shorthand for like the you know the 97% of the use cases but actually it's incorrect so the 
the other way to do that could be, uh, for instance, uh, you could do echo dollar sign zero, and that would tell you the 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 sort of the the process that launched the thing that you just did, uh, which which is since you've just given a command at a prompt, sort of the zero position of that prompt, if you think of it that way, is the prompt. The prompt is kind of the first the first element in that thing, and then dollar sign one would be echo. And then dollar sign two would be whatever you're, you're echoing and so on. So if you do that, echo dollar sign zero, you get ash returned. You can also do an echo dollar sign dollar sign, um, or does that have to be? Yeah, echo sign uh, echo rather dollar sign dollar sign, uh, and that gives you a PID back six uh, four two four in my case. Uh, we know how to look up the name uh, or the um, yeah the the description of a PID. Uh, we learned this during the, I think, PS, what is it, PROC, PROC NG or something like that, or, or something like that, um, that package in the A package set. It was PS, and then dash, dash, PID, and then, uh, what did I say it was? 6424 right now. So it tells me that 6424 <laughs> is uh, TTYPTS slash 1, and the command that that represents is ash. And then of course I could just do which ash and it tells me that that's in bin ash. Um, so that's just sort of a sidetrack of, of how to find out <laughs> whether or not you're running ash. Um, uh, other than that, yeah, the, the man ash page kind of shows you some of the options that ash provides. It is not nearly as extensive uh, as the, the bash man page. It's, well actually it's not bad. Oh yeah, it is actually, I think I must have just skipped to the bottom, um, because yeah, it's actually, yeah, I hit the end key instead of the page down key. It's a several, several screenfuls, so there is quite a bit of it. Um, and looking at it, as you would expect, I think, um, it, it is, there, there's a, there is a lot that's pretty the same as Bash, and I, I feel like Generally speaking, you would more or less expect that, because it is it is a POSIX compliant shell, so it's got a bunch of bunch of familiar things in it. Um, it's just stripped down a little bit, so you know some of the things that we might expect from Bash just wouldn't be here. So, for instance, if I'm in Ash and then I do the classic Bashism um, uh, bracket bracket. Uh, actually, I have to set something first. So let's do foo equals zero, and then we'll do bracket bracket. And for and for the record, that is just foo equals zero. That's how you set. So then, if I do echo dollar sign foo, I get zero back. Um, there's no like set foo zero or something like that um, requirement like you would need to do in, for instance, uh, um, uh, tcsh. Okay, so uh, let's see. There's foo equals zero. I did that. Yep, and then um, I'll do an bracket bracket, and then I'll just do like if no uh, f uh, foo foo, and then equals equals. Or actually, I can just do dollar sign foo uh, dash eq of one hundred, and then close brackets, and then do and and echo yes. And it tells me that that that's not a that's not a valid 
statement. The two brackets are not commands uh, that it that it understands. That of course in bash would have produced well actually it would have produced nothing that, that I guess that was a dumb test um, but it, it would have worked anyway it would have it would have successfully produced nothing now if I'd said bracket bracket dollar sign foo dash eq uh, zero and and echo yes then then I would have gotten a yes back or I could have said or you know uh, pipe pipe echo uh, well I could have said anything but I, would, I guess it would make sense to be like no uh, then I would have gotten no so that's that's one thing that you won't find in Ash, and that's a problem because if you if you've got your shebang set to slash bin slash sh, and you've got something like that set in your script, then there will be failure. Um, I I often forget that myself and have fallen prey to that trap often enough. And I mean that's the big argument against Bash, right? Is that people will come to rely on these nice little conventions that are not POSIX compliant, um, and and that will break other shells. And I get that, I really, really do. And I feel like it's almost hypocritical to say that it doesn't matter. Um, but it kind of, to me, it doesn't matter because Bash is, it has so many conveniences. It is such a, a friendly shell to use. It is such a powerful shell to use that the open source, and, and it's open source. So it's like, I guess what I'm saying very hypocritically is that the, the standards that it violates are made up for the fact are made up by the by the fact that it is open source and anyone can install it on pretty much anything. Um, so if you need Bash to run a, a simple script or whatever, then just go get Bash and run that script. Um, and and I say it's hypocritical, but I mean I guess in a, in many ways it it really isn't because what I'm when I use Bash as kind of a user facing application or or engine, then then Bash is a requirement of that. Of that application of, of the thing that I'm writing of the script that I'm writing and that that's a conscious thing that I do because there are like I say when you're programming in shell in a shell language I find bash to be really really useful and I find and I've, I've done a lot of programming in TCSH uh, at my old job at um, a place that had a lot of TCSH history to it dating back from you know the 90s and so everyone was pretty much locked into TCSH. And so I I used TCSH on a daily basis. And there were times where it was just stupid, the kind of hoops that you had to jump through. And I, maybe from that experience almost, I, I just feel like that's just kind of silly. Um, yes, that's the standard, but for something that you have to go and install intentionally anyway why not make it dependent upon something else that you're going to have to go and install as a dependency? Uh, and I don't think that's such a bad thing. I think that, um, I think that Slackware install scripts, for instance, and, and other utilities, general purpose utilities, uh, being in Ash is very cool because, because then you can use them without that dependency, without that Bash dependency. So if you really, really don't want to have to rely on Bash, to do something, that's fine. You'll still be able to do it because the authors graciously respected 
uh, the standards, so it'll run in you know pretty much any POSIX compliant shell. And that's really cool. That's great. Um, yeah, so that's Ash. Uh, I haven't really told you a whole lot about it, but yeah, so there's stuff that's not there. Um, it doesn't do, it doesn't do like the bracket bracket stuff. It's not going to do string replacement, you know. So if you if you do echo, I don't know, hello, no quotes or anything, just echo hello. And then I said, um, uh, what is it? Something like uh, carrot hello carrot carrot is that little house the little rooftop above a six on an usa keyboard and then i'll just make it say um by uh, then it tells me that's not found now in bash if i were to do that echo hello and then i do carrot carrot hello uh and then carrot foo then I get echo foo, foo, back. So Ash doesn't have that sort of feature. Ash also doesn't have Emacs keyboard binding. So if I do uh, control P to go to the previous command, um, it, it doesn't know what that means. If I do a control K to cut the line, it doesn't know what that means. It does interestingly know what control A and control E do. It, it'll, it'll respect that. It won't do a control F or B for forward or back. It won't do an alt D for delete string. There's a bunch of stuff that it doesn't seem to want to sort of understand. Um, and, and that throws me off a little bit. So there you go. That's Ash. Um, and a little bit about, I guess, my feelings on POSIX compliance uh, and how I only do it when it's convenient to me selfishly. Okay, so next up is at. At is a really neat little command. It is a scheduling style command. And uh, it specifically, so it's in this package are at and batch. And what they do is they read shell commands from standard input or a file if you specify it. Uh, and it stores that script as a job to be scheduled for execution at, a at, at some later time. This is really useful. For, for for those sort of one-off things that you need to do, but you don't... I mean, it's a one-off thing, right? So you're not going to schedule it. You're not going to do a cron job just for this one thing that you have to do. But but it could be useful, potentially, to, to, to have something that is scheduled at some time uh, in, in the future so that you can, I don't know, go to bed and, and then and know that um, in the middle of the night when you are are feeling very sure that some event has, has finished, your computer will shut down or, you know, whatever it is. So if we if we create a quick little script here and we'll just do Emacs, um, that's silly. I need to do a sort of like an Emacs. Uh, let's do foo.sh and we'll do shebang slash bin slash ash and then we'll do echo hello world now it's going to want to email us the output of that uh, of that command and i don't really want to have to go through checking the system email so instead of doing that i'm just going to have it actually produce a file and we'll do that as foo.txt so i'm just redirecting the output of echo hello world to foo.txt within the script. 
Then we're going to chmod the script to make sure that it's executable. So chmod plus x foo.sh. And then we'll do the at command. Now the at command, if I'm remembering correctly, yeah, it's a little bit deceptive. Um, so in the in the man page, uh, the second line of the synopsis says at dash f for file. I'm skipping over some things, but this is the order. At dash f for file and then dash t for time. Uh, and if I search for dash t, it says dash t, time, run the job at time, given in the format ccyymmdhhmm.ss. Now, when I tried that, I'm almost sure, I'm going to do it right now to make sure that I'm not mistaken, but at dash f foo.sh, and then dash t, so it's cc, I'm assuming that's some kind of fancy term for the first two letters of the of the year, so 20, and then 20, and then the month is 02, the day is 20, I think, and then the time is um, 21, zero, zero minutes, and it says dot zero, zero for seconds, and it, oh, it works now, never mind. Um, okay, so, uh, it, 20, so th that time had already passed by the time I typed that in, so I'm going to redo that. So um, trying to schedule this with like just moments in the future is a little bit of a tricky uh, thing. Okay, well, there you go. So um, now I've scheduled it for something like 23 minutes from now, which uh, I don't really actually want to wait that long. But that's a perfect example of how to uh, view and manipulate the the queue so i've now i've now created and i've scheduled it for um at dash f foo dash t 2020 which really in in real time is like 15 seconds away so if i'm i'm going to do an ls uh for uh anything ending in foo And uh, .txt exists, but didn't I? Is that a real? Uh, no, that is real. Okay, cool. So that just got produced. So yay, it works. Um, I, I don't feel like that was a super great <laughs> scientific test of, of of how well that works, but trust me, it works. That that's the use case of it. Um, but something more on on at is that you can also view the the queue the the stuff that is scheduled in your little sort of you know one time only cron job essentially so atq that's just the string atq the three three letters together atq and that shows you your queue now right now i only have one thing in my queue it is the seventh at job i've scheduled today and uh it is it shows me it shows me the time and the date that it is scheduled for it shows me who scheduled it. Uh, it doesn't doesn't tell me what is scheduled though. That's kind of interesting. I wonder if there is a more verbose. I don't see a verbose sort of listing, really. Everybody's jobs are listed as the super user. The format of the output lines, one for each job, job number, date, hour, queue, and username. Yeah, no, not not the actual job. That's interesting. Anyway, to get rid of it, you can do ATRM, 
all one string, ATRM, and then the number of the, you know, the Q item that you want to get rid of. Now I saw that this was number seven, so I can just do ATRM seven, and that gets rid of it. I can do ATQ to confirm. It's pretty straightforward. AT to schedule, ATQ to view, and then ATRM to manipulate, or to remove, really, uh, the, that queue. Now, the um, ATQ, or the, rather the at command, the timing thing, you've got a couple of different options, and there's one thing that they don't sort of explicitly tell you, or I, I guess they do explicitly tell you, but it, it's a little bit confusing. Here, here's Here's what I mean. So, for instance, if I, I want to do at dash f foo dot sh again, uh, and I guess I'll go ahead and trash foo dot txt. Actually, you know what? I'm going to get rid of that wave file and mp3 file from earlier today, too. Okay, there you go. So, at dash f foo dot sh, and then I'm going to do dash t, and then I'm going to go now, that's the word now, and then space, and then the plus sign, and then space, uh, and let's do one space minute m minute, and it tells me that that's an invalid date format. So I'll surround it in quotes, and it still says it's invalid format. So I don't know why, but for whatever reason, if you do uh, the 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 time. If you set the time with the dash t flag with sort of natural, you know, English verbiage, like now plus one minute, it, it does not, for me, it does not seem to understand what that means. Now, if I move, if I just do at space now plus one minute and then dash f uh, foo.sh, that schedules it perfectly as expected. And if I do ATQ, I see that, yeah, indeed, at 2107, this should, or this will run some command in the queue, in, in the AQ of, of user CLAT2. So I don't know exactly what the deal is with the dash T thing. The other confusing thing that caught me out was um, the, the fact that there weren't any seconds. You can't say now plus 30 seconds. It, it never seems to recognize the, the, the word, the English word seconds. And that confused me. And you might think, well, it doesn't list seconds as your option. It says uh, time units can be minutes, hours, days, or weeks. Okay, well, that's a pretty good list, I guess. It doesn't say now. Or rather, it doesn't say seconds. Uh, it explicitly says you can use the word now. Um, but it doesn't say seconds. But you know what else it doesn't say is that it, it doesn't list year there. But actually, if you do at now plus one year, it accepts that. And if I do ATQ, it says that I've got a job scheduled in... No, it doesn't. Yes, it does. 2021. Uh, I got tricked because I thought that was the... That was the previous, I thought that was the command, you know, the, the one that I just did for one minute from now. But this is clearly one year, um, still within the 2107 minute. Uh, at 2021, uh, some, some command will run. 
Well, it won't because I'm going to do ATM, uh, ATRM, and then number 10 is the job number. And so now I should have an empty queue, ATQ, I do. The last command in this package was is called batch. And batch, you can invoke batch either with the keyword batch or you can, or the command batch, or you can use it uh, as a an option to at. So that's at dash b. The only notable thing about batch, and I've never used it, but apparently its function is to execute commands at a specified time. Well, I should say, it, it's to execute commands much like at does, except it only executes those commands when system load levels permit. So in other words, when the load average drops below some value specified by the user, uh, for instance, 0.8 is the example that the man page gives, then the queue is executed. The, the, the commands in the queue are executed. The commands that you feed to batch show up in ATQ, except the Q is denoted by a, a B rather than an A. So if you've sent a command to be processed at a specific time with the at command, that's in the AQ. If you sent a command to your Q to be executed when your system resources permit it, then that is um, QB. I can see batch being useful for those long overnight command runs that sometimes I send my computer on, um, or at least I used to. I don't really do it all that often now, but I used to render a lot of video overnight because I would I would render different different tests uh, overnight, and that would typically occupy all of the computer's resources. So I could I could imagine there being some kind of cleanup job or or a little job that I want done, but only after all that video rendering is finished. Batch would have been the perfect tool for that. I didn't know about Batch at that time, and I'm not even positive that I would have had a job. I'm just saying, in theory, I could see that being useful in that case. Under my my current work model, I, I or or habit, I should say. I don't think batch would really be something that I would need. At, however, is a lot better than just running a sleep job ending in a command. So uh, at is very good to know about. It's very useful, and now you can use it. I think that is good for this episode. I think that's all we'll cover this time. Sorry, no coffee break. Should have warned you. But I will talk to you next time with more commands from Slackware Package Set AP. Cast. This has been Klaatu. You can reach me on IRC. I'm on the Freenode network usually in channels such as Augcast Planet, Slacker Media, Slackware, a couple of others. My nick on IRC is not Klaatu. You can also reach me lately on Mastodon. My username there is at Klaatu at Mastodon.xyz. Of course, you can email me at clatu at member.fsf.org. That's 
clatu at member.fsf, as in free software foundation.org. And of course, you can visit my various websites, gnuworldorder.info and slackermedia.info. I will see you next time. Do it. Like I don't beat clock. Just people. Wanna try me?